Study Podcast. My name is Mary Ellen Barrett, and I am being joined by my friend, Ginny Sufrit. And today we are going to talk about getting the handle on the housework. But first, I would like to invite you to pray with us. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them a fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, Jenny. Good to see you, Mary Ellen. Uh, I think this is a really important topic today because we get lots and lots of, of moms who are saying, wait a minute. I was hanging on. I was doing okay. I was able to keep my house sorted together. I mean, dinner got on the table and beds got made at any rate and laundry was, you know, moved from one machine to another. And then I started homeschooling. Right. And it really is the equivalent of a full-time job for many moms, especially if you have multiple kids or you have little babies still and school kids. So there's lots of little tips that, that can help. But I think one of the things we might want to mention first is be kind to yourself. Oh, yeah understand that you have to, you are a working mother. You're working at raising your kids in a beautiful, loving home environment, giving them a great education. And it's okay if your kitchen floor is a little bit sticky. Oh yeah. It's, it's really hard because you're not only are you working mom, but whereas if you were working out of the house and kids were going to school, the house would stay the same all day, you know, until you got home and made the home mess. So now you have people in it all day long. Right. So there's the snack mess and the toy mess and the teenagers shoes mess that there's shoes everywhere and socks everywhere. It, it's just this constant cycle of picking up and, and trying to keep up with the messes. And when you first start, this can be incredibly overwhelming, incredibly it overwhelming. Can be. One of the things that I did, and I think it was a good idea, we'll talk a little bit about scheduling of it. I think it's important sure. as far as cleaning is concerned, but also as far as messing up is concerned. So I think I'm a big believer in a strong schedule in your homeschool. So you have breakfast every morning at 7.30. And then maybe you get a snack again at 10 o'clock. That's it. Kitchen is closed the rest of the time. So if a kid at nine o'clock is like, oh, but I'm hungry. Well, you should have had more for breakfast, buddy. (laughs) We eat breakfast at 7.30. You can have as much as you want. (laughs) You can go back for seconds or thirds, whatever you want. But 7.30, we eat breakfast, we clean the kitchen, and then the kitchen is closed until snack time at 10 o'clock. Right. You're so not a hobbit. Ask. There's no right. second breakfast. <laughs> There's no second breakfast. And the same thing, you know, you can have a snack after school is over around three o'clock. That's fine. And then we have a little tidy up or something, but that's it now. Now don't ask until dinner. And you'll right. notice dinner because it'll be on our table and there it is. You can have it as soon as it's served, you can have it, but you can't be constantly trolling around the kitchen. I think this is an immense problem, especially with kitchens. You go in, you know, you did, you did the breakfast dishes, you loaded the dishwasher, you started it, your dinner's in the crock pot. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. <laughs> and then you go in for snack and there's glasses and plates and wrappers and everything all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I would make, and I still do this, even though um, I'm homeschooling two juniors in high school and an eighth grader. So they're old enough and they, they can make all their own meals if they wanted to really, if I could put up with the mess and the expense, but I try to, you know, keep that down by, I make a snack tray. Like after we finish breakfast, and they start homeschooling. We say our prayers. They get rolling. I will 
at some point put together, you know, like a charcuterie board, except sure. it's, it's fruit and it's maybe some cheese and crackers and it's something like that. And that's what your snack is going to be at 10 o'clock when we stop, we start somewhere around seven thirty-eight, and they, and I've always kept that scheduled around 10, 10 30. You can take a 15 minute break and then you can grab a snack, grab a glass of water, whatever, go outside, run around. But I make a snack trick because I don't want everybody pulling apart my cabinets. The next thing you know, I have a kid making a hamburger, you know, (laughs) they will do Do the grease all over the stove. (laughs) Exactly right. No. So I do think that having sort of strict rules about that. Now, obviously, you're not starving your kids to death. They're still getting three meals and two snacks. How many times do you have to eat? Uh, no American kid is going to starve to death with that with that schedule. And if they were in a regular school, they wouldn't get any more than that. Like That's you don't eat all day less. if you're in a in a brick and mortar you know school building. Yeah, you most brick eat less. and mortar schools, except maybe pre K and K, the kids get yeah you know, their breakfast before they go to school. They get lunch. They come home. Most families do provide an after school snack and dinner. Sure. Yeah. So and that's more than enough for those kids. It's more than enough for ours. But while we're on, you know, schedules and routines, I think that prevents mess <laughs> that, that what we just spoke about. But the other half of that is how to clean up the messes that you will inevitably get. Mm-hmm. And what I found is you can't tell kids, look, we're going to clean this kitchen until it's spotless. Because then their major job becomes to see how I can do less than my brother or sister. (laughs) That's their major goal, not cleaning the kitchen. How can I do the least amount compared to everybody else? So what I used to say is, look, 10 minutes. Okay, it's one o'clock. At 110, we're going to be finished. Let's see how much we can get done in 10 minutes. And 10 minutes seems like a little bite that the kids can take and and not resent you and not try to get out of all the work. That little like, let's see how much we can get done. I listened to a talk given by Laura Berquist at one of the IHM conferences 20 years ago, probably. And she was talking about math, the kid who can't really sit still for math or has a lot of trouble with math or is just not wanting to do math. Let's see how many problems we can get done in 10 minutes. And if you get 10 problems, say whatever the number she said, then you can get up and run around for a little while. Like there was a little reward. So I've used that chunk of time thing. Let's see how many, whatever we can do in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It works for a million things in your house. It does. It works for schoolwork. <laughs> it works for housework. And as I say, kids, especially the younger ones, if you tell them, well, it's going to take us about an hour, but we're going to get this whole house clean. An hour to a young kid sounds it's like forever. forever. It's, it's forever. It's an eternity. It's, they start to cry. They do. It's, it's, <laughs> do I have to for an hour? So 10 minutes, anybody or 15 minutes, anybody can take that bite and chew it up. And uh, what I suggest is you have those little 10 minute breaks. So you start, you know, you, you, you eat your breakfast. We're going to take 10 minutes and get the kitchen done and get the book set up and maybe get the laundry, the dirty laundry from your room down into the hampers or something like that. You can, you can have assigned jobs to multiple kids if you have them. But simple jobs that can be done in 10 minutes. And then we do our schoolwork. And then after lunch, same thing. After lunch, we take a 10-minute tidy yeah. up. We get the dishes done. We get the books away from the morning because those books can overwhelm your entire house. Yes. You would wonder why a math book could end up in the bathroom. But yet it does <laughs> in the tub. I mean, it, <laughs> it's I, so true. <laughs> it just takes off across. It's on the lawn. You, know, so <laughs> you want to get that done. Then I'm a, I was always a big believer that after lunch, my babies went down for naps mm-hmm. and it was, it was like a Pavlovian thing. Mike lunch after lunch, my the, the eyes would start to get smaller and smaller <laughs> from that last bite of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They were just so used to an after lunch nap. 
And then when they were finished taking naps, they were old enough to finish taking naps. They were also old enough to go outside and play for a while. So that kind of hour right after lunch, I really believed in a break. Right. I think yeah. they have to get up, they have to run around, they have to get the, you know, and if it's the middle of the winter, okay, maybe we'll do a movie or you can draw pictures or something like that if it's miserable out. But for the most part, I wanted them to get lots of fresh air and sunshine and the babies had to go down for naps. Right, yeah. And then there's quiet in the house. If they're outside playing, the babies can get their naps because they're not all shouting around in the house. And and the fresh air and sunshine is a cure for many things, I think, especially with very small children. It wears them out a little bit, so they're yep. a little less inclined to, to get all crazy. It gets the wiggles out. It Sunshine is just good for you. And here in the Northeast, we don't get nearly enough of it. I'm sure, you know, when your kids were growing up in Chicago, they didn't. So it's it's just a good thing to do to get the kids out, even if it's even if it's not ideal weather, just 15 minutes even yep. is good. And if it allows, so what, if, if you get this 15 or 20 minutes or maybe, you know, an hour of the older kids are outside playing, the babies are down for their naps. I used to use that time for two things. Number one, at times I would clean. Mm-hmm. That would be when I'd fold the laundry, I'd match the socks, right. uh, you yeah. know, I'd run the vacuum, that type of thing, you know, that I could do that. But then the other th- uh, thing that I would do, and this will come up later in another talk, but I'll just mention it. That's when I had my appointment with the high school students. Yes. Every day, you know, the babies are down for a nap. <laughs> the kid, the little kids are outside playing. So I am going to give you between one, one and two o'clock every day, you can count on me. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you need me for. So I don't want to get into that too much, but I thought I'd mention it. The other thing that we should just really, really mention is if your children have regular chores, and I'm a big believer in it. So it's Joe's job to clean the upstairs bathroom for sake of argument. And every day he has to go up there and at the very least, you know, take Clorox wipes and wipe down the sink and the toilet and you know, pick up any junk on the floor and put things away in the cabinets or whatever. Just doing that little bit makes a huge difference. Oh, it makes that every day. Oh, we have, where I was just saying, be kind to yourself. Also fall in love with surface clean. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's so true. Surface clean. (laughs) If I don't see it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. If your dishes are in the dishwasher (laughs) and the, and the countertops are wiped down, that's a pretty clean kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And if it, like I say, if it's a little sticky on the floor when you're walking across it, you know what? It'll be sticky tomorrow morning too. You can get it then. And that's that fine. used to be my joke. Little brownies are not going to come in the middle of the night and clean my house. <laughs> It'll be waiting for me. It's there. <laughs> um, but but the kids have to have their tasks, whatever that task may be. And that what I just described in most bathrooms would take maybe five or 10 minutes. You know, straighten all the, uh, my daughter-in-law doesn't have a mudroom. So when people first come into the house, she has two closets, but you know, when kids first come in, their boots are there in the winter and their shoes yeah. are there and the slippers. It's a mess. It's just and a mess. So one of the jobs that usually the little guy does this is just go in and line all the boots up, put them in the closet on the shelves and ones that don't fit, line them up on the wall. So it's just neat. And, and it makes such a difference to your, oh. to the way you feel about things when things are just orderly and neat and picked up. It doesn't have to be perfect clean, but if it looks pleasing, you know, if it's just right. not a mess, you it's feel better. Suddenly you're chaos. happy. <laughs> Everything's better. Um, there's a radio show hostess, Katie McGrady, and she calls it feeling domestically powerful, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was such a great phrase. Like, wow, yeah, you know, my my kitchen, you know, my counters are cleaned off. I'm domestically powerful. It's a good feeling. <laughs> it is a good feeling, and I and I think you approach your homeschooling with a better attitude. Mm-hmm. If at least the kitchen cabinets are, you know, the doors are closed, like close, close the doors to your cabinets, wipe down your countertops, and load your dishwasher. 
Right. Now, you had said something about um, it takes like five minutes to, to clean a bathroom, five, 10 minutes. Really, it does. What, right. it, what takes the longest amount of time when it comes to picking up and keeping things orderly is that pick, it's the picking up and the putting away. And which brings us to the topic of how much stuff do you have and how much stuff do you need? It's a disease in the yes. United States. We all have too much stuff. We all have too much stuff. We can all get rid of probably half of what we own and not miss it at all. Well, actually, what has happened to me, so I moved from a 4,000 square foot house, it was bigger than 4,000 square feet, where I raised all those kids, I needed a big house, to a one room log cabin. I can't even imagine how what is entailed. It's a big room. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a big room. It's a nice room and everything. But I think twice before I buy anything. Right. Yeah, you'd have to. Like, you'd I don't have, have a microwave, for example, because I'd have to have a place for a microwave and I, my kitchen is small. So where would I put that microwave? Uh, you would be shocked. You know, you can cook without a microwave and still survive. That's funny, because when we redid our kitchen a couple of years ago, I did not want a microwave. I did not want I wanted a little wine fridge. In that spot. Okay. <laughs> and my husband just insisted we need a microwave. He insisted and he he said nothing about anything about the kitchen. I designed the whole thing. He he just let me have a free hand. So this was the one thing he wanted, right? So I, we get the microwave. I I don't use the microwave. I like warm things up on the stove or I use the right. warming oven. I mean, I just don't. And he, he will occasionally use the microwave. I mean, it's totally not worth it, but it was the one thing he wanted. <laughs> but I do so, think like Americans have rice cookers, for example. You'd be I, shocked to hear you can cook your rice in a little pot and pan on the stove. It works fine. I know. We get very into that kind of, um, and I think social media has something to do with this. Or back in the day when I first started homeschooling, it was an email message board. Like somebody would say, this is the new appliance that's changing my life, or this is the new skirt that everybody's wearing or right. the pair of shoes or something. And we all like idiots go and buy it. And I, then two months later, you're like, I don't need this. Like I never use the rice. Or, 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 it's, nice, or it's nice enough, but right. I don't yeah, need it. And it takes up a And everything you own, this is what I like to tell people for everything you own, that rice cooker, you had to buy it. You had to find a place for it. You have to clean it. After mm. you use it, you have to dust it off. If it breaks, you have to replace it. You don't have to do any of those things if you never have one to begin with. <laughs> I am at that age where I just do not want, like everybody now is about air fryers. Yep. And I, I understand that they're they're very convenient and they're wonderful. First of all, they're too small for my uh, enormous amount of people who live here. And second of all, I don't want to put it on my, I like clean counters. I'm a little obsessive. I'm, I'm, I'm a little like neat freaky to a point of disease. I don't want anything on my counters. Like I live with the toaster on the counter. <laughs> That's it. So, and those things are huge. They take yeah, they a are. lot of space. They are. I don't want to store it. I don't want to look at it. Well, you don't have to put it in the basement because then you'll never pull it up anyhow. So now I have, um, I have, by the way, in my tiny house, a 30 inch counter. That's it. And on my 30 inch counter, I have a, a two slice toaster and I have a crock pot because I do cook a lot like in the crock pot. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the only thing I have there. We don't even have, and I don't drink coffee anymore, but my husband does. We have a perk pot. Oh, so do I. It's on the stove. Yeah. Yeah. We just have a little perk pot, takes up virtually no space whatsoever. You don't yeah. have to buy filters. You just, all you need is coffee and coffee. water. And you yeah. And the, by the way, the coffee is delicious. So there's lots of stuff that you can really get rid of. And now we'd like to take a moment for a word from our sponsor. Hello, this is Steve Minnis, president of Benedictine College. I was honored to be the commencement speaker for Seton this year. We find that students coming from Seton excel here at Benedictine. 
And one of those leaders on our campus is a Seton graduate, Renee Latafe from Georgia. That's right. I'm Renee Latafe, and I graduated from Seton in 2020. I've found my place here at Benedictine College, where greatness begins. I love it here, and you can learn more at benedictine.edu. And one of the things I want to bring up here, uh, I have a lot of grandchildren. Number 31 was just born yesterday. And um, congratulations. Thank you. 32 was on the way. But they have not this one, but they have other grandparents who really are love being grandparents and want to bring so much. My one daughter says every time her mother-in-law shows up, she has toys for the kids. Which is so thoughtful, but it it, is, it's really but hard to manage all of that after a while. It can, it's very overwhelming. It's overwhelming. She had that particular daughter does not have a particularly big house and the kids have more than they'll ever need. And what happens too, and I think this is very true. I saw it with my own kids when they have too much, they don't take care of it. It ends up all over the floor. They're not playing with it. Right. And interested. And then it becomes a job for you because people say, oh, I rotate them. So like I store a bunch of things away. And then when they get tired of those toys, I bring out some new toys. It's like a second job. And who needs that? (laughs) (laughs) I remember my my mother was the same way. My mother, God bless her. um, She was a wonderful Nana to my children, but she would come with a new outfit or a new little toy or a a coloring book or something like that. And I was like, oh gosh, now where am I putting this? And I finally had to say, mama, please, like coloring books, Play-Doh, paints, things that are disposable or consumable, that's fine. But I'd really rather take them to the zoo or a movie pass, you know, the the new animated nonsense is out and we'd love to see the movie, whatever it is, or take them to the the happy zone or one of those kind of places. Like experiences are better gifts than the current piece of cheap plastic from China. Or or the 10,000th stuffy. Oh gosh, those things. Yeah, they're dust collectors. They're if dust you have collectors. A, you had a kid with allergies, they shouldn't have any of those they're things. They're all around. over the place. So what I have started doing, funny you should mention that, is because I have so many grandchildren and I really can't keep track of what each and every one has. I don't right. know. No, you couldn't with 30 something of right. no. And they all, and by the way, they all have plenty. All of my kids, God bless them, have done very well. None of these kids are living in squalor where I might have a different opinion about it. So what I have decided to do for Christmas is I buy family gifts. So I will, I'll ask the parents, what do you want? So maybe in Chicago, they want a season's pass to the Brookfield Zoo, which is a wonderful zoo. And I get the nice pass, the one with the free parking and Very the free nice. trips on the little train to go around. That's and, great. And the dolphin show, you get you know, the free tickets to the dolphin show. I'll get, I'll get the really nice pass for them. Uh, and they get to ask. So my son in Michigan, he wanted the Henry Ford Museum for his, his kids. Oh, great. And he got that one loads of just whatever you want to do you tell me and I will do it and the other thing that I've done and this is a little bit off topic here but I think parents appreciate it I've done grandma trips with my kids yes I'll take kids at a good little age and I can't obviously I'm taking 30 of them but they're all at different ages anyhow but I'll take you know two or three kids and we'll go in Illinois we used to go to Springfield to the Abraham Lincoln Museum it's a fabulous museum and we'd, we'd drive down there. We'd get a hotel room. Kids get excited to stay in hotels. Of course. They get they get dinner out. Grandma takes them to the, I'll buy them. A, now there I might buy them a book or two about Abraham Lincoln because now they're interested in the topic. So there's all sorts of things that grandmas and grandpas can do for the kids or aunts and uncles that first of all, you're giving mom a break. Yeah. <laughs> Give mom a little break. Which is know? a double gift that way. That's a double yeah. gift. And, and the experience that you're building memories, like they're not going to remember 
you know, the Lego set you bought them or, or, you know, like the Elmo doll or something, but they are going to remember, oh, I went to the museum with grandma and it was fun. And we stayed in a hotel and this funny thing happened and we go went in the pool and they're going to, I still remember my, my nanny used to take us on bus trips and we went to Williamsburg because my, my grandparents never drove. They lived in Brooklyn and uh, (laughs) they would take us on these senior citizen bus trips. (laughs) (laughs) So my brother and I get on the big coach bus and we went to Williamsburg and Gettysburg and um, Cape cod and we went to all these places with all these you remember those right and then then we had such a good time (laughs) and because we had little kids on this bus full of old people we were like the bells of the ball like everybody just loved (laughs) us and we're spoiled rotten and it was great and fussed over you and right yes i treasure those memories but i mean i'm sure they bought me toys i don't remember any of that right so it wouldn't so rather than uh allow yourself to be overwhelmed by toys and and stuff like that When it's time for Christmas and gently suggest, because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's nice to gently suggest, listen, so-and-so is really into watercoloring. So maybe some paper and art supplies, or maybe it would be nice if you just took her out to the movies or got her, got us all the the family pass for the 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 art institute, right. Or something like that. So that you're building memories because we really we really didn't want to keep the stuff down to a minimum. And any any reasonable person will understand that a mom with young children can easily spend her whole life picking up toys. And so this is a better way to go. And it just gently suggested, because again, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. No, and they mean well. They do. They do. They it's from love. So you you can't hate that. But it's it it there's a point at which you have to stop it. (laughs) It must stop. So, and that leads us to a couple of more, we have a couple more topics we want to cover here before we get going. So Ginny is a founding member of the White Tail Club. And (laughs) I never thought of this, but I heard you talk about it ages ago and I'm now um, a signed up member. So tell us all what the the White Tail Club is. You know, I've gotten more comments about the White Towel Club than maybe anything else I ever <laughs> spoke about in hundreds of homeschooling conferences. Basically, what it comes down to is this. When you got married, people bought you really pretty great towels that had your monogram name on it or something. But then you moved to a house with a different color bathroom. You got navy blue towels or that was what you saw in the catalog or whatever. And before you know it, after you start having kids, some of your towels are really raggy looking and, and you tell the kids, listen, save these nice ones for when company comes, you know, use the sort of bare ones, but they never do that because they want to use the nice towels too. You can solve this entire problem by only buying white towels. First of all, white always matches white. So if you're getting a little low and you see some on sale, grab a few. Right. And you can bleach white. So they're going to look a whole right. lot nicer. A they always look nice. Just yep. Oxy and bleach, and they're perfect. That's me. My tie <laughs> towels that are 10 years old that are still like like clouds in the sky. They're so beautiful. <laughs> so, and and it's, it solves the problem. You don't have to worry about which towel goes to which bathroom. They all have white towels. Doesn't matter which one. So I am a big believer in the white towel club. And then through the years, I've kind of gotten into that attitude, even with our sheets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Our sheets are not quite the same thing. You don't use them as much. But if you have white sheets, then you never have to look for a white pillowcase. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just makes things easier. You don't have to sort the sheets. Like what, what she, you know, is this a SpongeBob sheet goes to this kid and the Batman sheets go to that. Everybody has the same yeah, sheets. You can't find the SpongeBob <laughs> pillowcase. You end up using the Batman pillowcase. No, I'm t- it's much easier. Uh, but the other thing with sheets though, my other trick is if you do have some beautiful sheets, they last a lot longer. You don't want to get rid of them because they're not white. When you wash your sheets, fold them up, fold the top sheet, fold the, the fitted sheet and 
put them in a nice little packet and put that packet inside the pillowcase. Yeah. My mom taught me that when I first got married and then they stack real nice in the shelves in the linen closet. They stack nice and you can always find what you need. You're not tearing it apart, looking for something and not that you would necessarily tear it apart, but your kids sure might. Yeah. Well, I might too, if I were in a hurry and wanted to get it done. Or if, I, or if my closet is small and it's hard, you know, with everything stacked individually, you pull one thing out and everything falls on your head. Right. At least this way, it's it's all contained. Yes. That's it's- a really good. Uh, the other thing is people have to look at their clothing. We have so much clothes in the United States. Nobody needs all those clothes. No, it's hard. And uh, so many people do need clothes. So donating them is a wonderful thing. We have a parish thrift store where two days a week it's open and people who are, you know, down on their luck can shop for free. Yeah. You know, they can get, they can get what they need. So I donate a lot to that, but we just, I, even myself, I don't know. And how would they breathe in the closet? I don't know. Why do I have nine, they do breathe in the closet. <laughs> nine black tops? <laughs> like who needs this? I need two maybe. So you just have to keep culling that stuff. And with kids, you can have those full drawers where they can't even clean up themselves because it doesn't all fit in the drawer. You know, and, and and there's if, only so much Marie Kondo you can do to your drawer. And even if you can yeah. get, you know, your 45 tops to fit in that drawer, you don't need 45 tops. Yeah. And, you know, I, when you were talking about, you had that thrift shop at your parish, when I was raising my kids, we had something like that at our parish where you could drop off your old clothes. And I had this absolutely hideous coat that my son had. It was absolutely hideous. It was green with like an orange stripe on it. I hated it. But we were young. We had a lot of kids. We were broke. And that was it. That was the only <laughs> one I had. So you had to wear it until I could afford something else. And believe me, as soon as I could, I donated that old, ugly coat. And I gave it was, you know, a warm winter coat, I guess. And I got him a much nicer one. Christmas, I saw a kid in church with that jacket on. Oh, and I remember thinking to myself, I hate, and this is this kid's Christmas best. So we tend to think of ourselves, you know, we're, we're all pretty good in the United States. We, we do pretty well, but like old suits that your husband may have, there are kids that really can't afford, they're getting out of college, but they're, they're broke and they don't have a lot of money. And they can't afford a suit. Right. Um, I've heard one idea is donate your wedding dresses, you know, your, your bridesmaids dresses, mm-hmm. girls wear them to the prom. Oh, afford a couple hundred bucks for a prom dress. Yeah. And they, you know what? I know somebody who um, found, I guess maybe it was a wedding dress uh, at a thrift store and dyed it. And it was very pretty. And I know two brides who got their wedding gowns at thrift stores and had them just kind of remade a little bit with the seamstress. And it was, you know, I probably a 10th of the price as a bridal store. Probably less than that. But the point is that there are loads of people who are not as well off as we like to think in the United States. So donating your clothes does two things. Number one, it gives people an opportunity to have nice clothes that might not have them otherwise. And number two, and perhaps most important, is you are not trying to spend hours and hours and hours organizing your drawers. Yeah. And trying to find things. There are a couple of uh, good resources for that kind of thing. Um, the Daily Connoisseur. Uh, book. It's, um, oh, I forget the name of it, but if you just put in Amazon, like the Daily Connoisseur, she wrote a book about a capsule wardrobe and and having only what you need and not having an overwhelming amount of stuff. And it's a really good book. And it kind of forces you to look at, do I wear this? Do I need this? Is this, is this even my style anymore? And, and what happens to me, and I hope it's not just me, um, I'll fit into that someday. Yeah. (laughs) Well, <laughs> if I ever do get the weight off, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a new pair of jeans. <laughs> well, that's what I, I don't, say. I don't need 10 year old jeans. <laughs> you, lost, you lost 15 pounds, reward yourself. Right. Yes. My, my so, joke about it too is if you do lose that 15 pounds, you'll get pregnant the next month anyhow. So. <laughs> 
Well, so, I won't now, but I get the point. Yeah, you get my point. Uh, so, so absolutely, those those are things we should think about as far as clothes are concerned. Uh, one tip that I heard that I think is a great one, once a year, and you should do this anyhow, clean your closet out. Just get rid of junk. Yeah. It, it just dust off your shelves and stuff. So clean your closet out. And when you put things back in, put the hanger in backwards. So, so that you have to like reach around, right. and you're seeing the open side is towards you. Then every time you wear something after that, put it in the right way. Put it so back you can right tell way. what you haven't worn in a, in a good At the end time. of the next right. year, okay. clean out that closet again, you can say with certainty, I have not worn that for a year. And yeah. what, is, what is the likelihood I'm going to wear it now? I think yeah, it that's, that's a good plan. And I often uh, take my, my, now my kids are older. I don't know that you could do this with a five or six-year-old. My youngest is 13. Um, when we're switching closets for the different seasons, I will hand them each a garbage bag. Um, a white trash bag and say, put everything in here that you will never wear from either season that you just hate. Somebody gave it to you. You're not going to wear it. That's too small for you, but in decent condition and start with that. Like, let's get this garbage bag out of here. Right. And then right another the car, we can drop it off at the, exactly. It goes right into the car where I drive it around for six months, <laughs> but it's out of the closet. <laughs> and then another garbage bag just for garbage. Like what's, right. what's torn, what's ripped, what's ugly, what's, you know, falling apart Chained, and whatever. Yeah. it all just comes out. And then all of a sudden it's a manageable amount of stuff to put back. And that, that takes less than 15 minutes to just toss things in bags. Yeah, it doesn't take that long and yeah. it's well worth the effort. Sure. It's well yes. worth the effort. So we've covered clothes and towels. I think we maybe just should talk about meals because most of us spend a lot of time with meal prep. Yes. And, and I, we, we want to have healthy meals. We don't want to be pulling things, you know, out of the freezer every night. No, you don't want to eat that way. I have a my own little way of doing this and I'll share it with you just, just as inspiration. Not everybody is this obsessed as I am. Like I said, I'm a little bit <laughs> super control freak. Um, I menu plan for a month. Oh, wow. I, I, I do. I do the whole month, every month. And then I write it all out. And then I, I have this um, big calendar that's like a magnet and it sits on the fridge and it's written on there. So if I'm not home or something, somebody can start dinner. Ooh. Like I said, my kids are older, so they will do that. Or if I'm away um, for a business trip or something like that, um, they can, they, they have it. And I shop for that every week. So I have that, a picture of it on my phone. I pull out if there's a recipe needed that goes in my planner. I know I'm, I'm a I was going to say, wow, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very really impressed. But I, I spent so many years, like just running around at five o'clock, trying to throw a chicken in my armpit because I had no idea how to get this done. So this was my solution and it works. And it's so funny because it's posted on the fridge my kids' friends will come in and they take pictures of it. And they say, Mrs. Barrett, we're going to come over for sp spaghetti and meatball. Right. <laughs> oh, look, fish and chips. We're here that day. We're here that so day. I end up with like, instead of nine people, 12 people on certain days, which is fine. But it saved me money. I don't plan out lunch. The kids are on their own for lunch. And it's mostly leftovers or I, I keep sandwich stuff. There's a big salad on the table every night. And that'll be like lunch usually for me the next day and some of the girls. There's bread on the table every night. So sometimes they'll toast that for breakfast in the morning and then whatever the meal is. And breakfast, I kind of have loose. I cook breakfast most mornings because my husband's home a lot. So I'll make him his eggs or or I'll make pancakes for the kids and stuff like that. So I ha I've had to be super organized about this because I have so many people here all the time. Right. And I found the same thing. Now, the way I did it, and this was kind of dictated by finances, we 
we had a lot of kids. And yeah. I don't care how, much my, how hard my poor husband worked. And the man, he worked, he has worked two jobs most of our married life just to keep food on the table. And I was allowed to stay home for 26 years, which was great. I mean, I was so grateful for it. But my contribution to that was I took every nickel the man ever made and uh, I stretched it until the buffalo was screaming for mercy. <laughs> you <laughs> have to, you have to. So I became the queen of leftovers, the absolute queen of leftovers. And one of the ways I've done that, for example, I'd buy a turkey. And what I used to do a lot of is right after Thanksgiving, the price of turkeys go way down because they want to get rid of them all. Right. At least they used to. And I would buy a bunch of turkeys and stick them in the deep freeze. And then maybe Sunday we have a turkey dinner, your standard turkey dinner with mashed potatoes and the vegetable or something like that. And then two days later, I'd make turkey fricassee where you take the leftover turkey and put it in a nice gravy and serve that over different things. I used to make dumplings was the kid's favorite, sometimes yeah. noodles or whatever. And then I would take that carcass and I would make a turkey soup. So I got three meals out of one turkey. So it helped financially, but also helped with planning. Like, this is what you have to, this is what you're going to do. And it became so, I did it so often that I knew exactly what I needed for the turkey fricassee. I knew exactly what I needed right. for the food. Uh, so I did that. So turkey was one of them. Ham, you buy a ham. So you have ham dinner on Sunday and you get sweet potatoes with that and the vegetable, whatever you're going to have on the side. And then a couple of days later, we'd have ham, potato and cheese casserole. And a couple of days after that, we'd have pea soup. Yeah, I, I plan for that too. And that is the most economical way to use, especially now. I mean, have you seen oh, the price of chicken it. lately? It's crazy. And now this is the time, I guess, when uh, well, I'm, I'm down to um, three, well, up to three meatless meals a week. And we are meat and potatoes people. Now I know that's going to make Ginny very happy because she doesn't eat meat, but I, it's just too expensive. But even things that used to not be expensive, like the price of beans in the can doubled <laughs> like yep. everything that was cheap is not cheap anymore rice no, isn't even cheap. cheap nothing's cheap so it is the most economical way to plan and and you will get a kid who's like oh a turkey again just ignore that <laughs> just <laughs> we don't do that <laughs> dinner then kiddo and let me know how you like it yeah <laughs> like i would pick i'd make i'm italian i make a big pot of what they we call sunday sauce that have meatballs in it and that sort of thing and then you could get meat you could get heroes a couple of days later you could get we used to call it poor man's lasagna yeah, you, you make pasta, you stick a few little leftover meatballs, a little bit of cheese in there and bake it in the oven. Uh, you, I'd make pizza all the time. And that was a favorite. I have to say the kids love that. So it was stretching my dollars by all, you know, certainly that was one big intent. It was stretching my dollars, but it was, it was made it more predictable for me. So I didn't have to think about what am I going to need for these meals? I made a Sunday sauce so often and I made these other meals so often I knew exactly what I would need. And, but then the big thing, and this is, I think, more to what we're talking about here, it made planning very easy. Right. So you don't think about it all day long. Like for me, having, knowing what I'm going to make for dinner by 10 o'clock in the morning, it just, I don't know why dinner takes up such a huge amount of space in our heads, but it does. It does. So when you know what you're doing and you wake up in the morning and there's a plan and you have the ingredients and, and you know, that recipe off the top of your head or the recipe's printed and it's right there. Boom. It's like you, you have a whole free day. <laughs> just well, frees up your whole day. Is, I think one of the reasons dinner takes up so much time in our lives is that when you have to prepare your dinner, so say you're going to eat at six o'clock, you're going to start thinking about it at four, 4.35. That's also when you're driving to softball and baseball oh, and yeah. soccer and all these 10,000 things that the kids, that I found that the hardest, to be honest with you. So one of the things with my Sunday sauce, again, was 
that sauce was already made. All I had to do was boil the pasta. All I had to do was warm up the rolls and put the meatballs right. on them. So it, it made it a much easier job because I was running around a lot. Yeah, me too. And it was it was nice to have where I'd make the casserole right after lunch. Me too. And then, I'd, and then it would stay in the warming oven because people are in and out, in and out. There's soccer, there's dance, there's this, there's that. And so, you know, you you take what you can and sit down and eat when you got home. Um, just that little bit of planning just is life changing. So we are running over. So we should one, wrap this up. Yeah, we should. <laughs> I'd like to just give one more sort of fast hint to people. Sure. At the very end here, you know, when moms go back to work, very often um, they hire somebody. They hire daycare or they hire somebody to help come clean the house or hire somebody to mow the lawn because they ran out of time. Depending on what your finances are, again, remember that you have taken on a full-time job. So if you can afford to get even some nice girl, a mother's helper from the neighborhood who's going to come in and vacuum your floors and mop and, and mop your kitchen, you know, once a week. Yeah. Oh, definitely. All the difference in the world. Just get a little bit of help. And if you can get a girl, I had a girl come in when the twins, now the twins are 16, when they were, I, I was pregnant with Brendan and they were maybe two. She would come two afternoons a week and just play with them. Right. To give you just time to do things. To give me time to homeschool the other kids, to catch up on grading, to catch up on house cleaning, or sometimes just sit and put my feet up because I was right. constantly pregnant. Um, it, it just, and it was babysitting. It was, I think it was two to four, two afternoons a week or something like that. All the difference and it world. was, it made a huge difference. There have been times when I had a cleaning lady come in once or twice a month. Now, my big thing is I have the groceries delivered because it's not something I enjoy doing grocery shopping. Um, and it's something I'm willing to pay somebody else to do to save that time. And I don't mind cleaning my house. I actually like cleaning the house, but I don't like grocery shopping. So for me, that's, that's my indulgence because I work. I homeschool, I take care of a house, I take care of a husband, I take care of my kids. You can take care of my groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> oh, yes. So any to any little help you can get, never say no to help. If somebody offers never. to help, I'll, let me come and take the toddlers for to the park for an afternoon. Say yes. Just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I babysat for my yes. daughter one week. Um, and after dinner, I got up and I started doing the dishes. And she's mom mom, you don't have to do my dishes. I said, enjoy it. Yeah. You'll miss me next week when I'm gone. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. It's okay to make, to allow mom or mother-in-law or auntie who comes visit. You feel like you have to entertain them. No, it's okay to let them do things for you if they want yes. to. If they want to, if they offer, just say yes. Say you thank know, you. Say thank you so much. Yes. It's charitable to allow people to help you, you know, because people want to help. So allow them be charitable. And me, it's hard for me to say yes to that kind of stuff. But it's important to let other people in and let them help you and let them feel that satisfaction. It's really important. If you are in need of some encouragement when it comes to these parts of, of your daily life, um, pick up your Bible and read Proverbs 31, uh, verses 10 to 31, and see that there is a biblical reason to take care of your house and how important it is and how blessed it is. So just in case you're feeling kind of down about it, Pick that up. It might give you a little bit of encouragement to know how much of a jewel you are <laughs> to your family and to your home. And with that, we'd like to thank Seton Home Study School for sponsoring these podcasts. And if you are interested in more different questions answered, things like that, Mary Ellen and I can both be found on social media, Mary Ellen Barrett and Ginny Sufert. By all means, get a hold of us. 
And let's close this with a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right. Thank you, everybody. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, setonhome.org, for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.